Welcome to Messy Life Podcast. You know, life is messy, but it's in our mess that we find our message. And just because your life is messy, it doesn't mean you're messed up. We want to open up our lives. We want to open up our mess. We want to open up what we've learned through really painful, dark journeys. And our hope on the other end of this podcast, on the other end of Messy Life, is that you would find courage and strength and laughter and joy in the midst of your journey, that you would know that you are not in this alone and that you are stronger than you ever thought you were. So let's get messy. talking about braving the wilderness. And I see that uh, laying before you right now. <laughs> Brene Brown's yeah. Braving the Wilderness. Can I tell you about my journey with this book? Yeah, let's hear it. All right. So I have been a huge fan of Brene Brown for many years. She's been my hero, somebody that I look up to in a very big way. Can I tell you a funny story? Yeah, I think I know, I know the story you're about to tell. I was going to ask you to tell the story. <laughs> if, it's not the, if it's not the story I'm thinking of, I'm going to ask you to tell the story. But I think, you, I think you're about to spill the beans on this. Okay, so uh, Brene has made an impact on my life in a very major, major way. I stumbled upon Brene um, through the gifts of imperfection. And met Brene at Catalyst Atlanta. Um, she was mic testing and checking her PowerPoint on the platform. I was early to the session at Catalyst. And she nonchalantly kind of made her way to the front of the platform where she was greeting many of her fans And a dear friend of mine who I love very dearly and knew that I was a huge fan of Brene was like, go meet her, go meet her. You will. And I was like, no, I don't want to be a fangirl. Like, and she was like, Casey, you will regret this moment for the rest of your life if you do not go meet her. So I quickly ran to the front right as she was like wrapping it up and headed backstage And our eyes caught one another and I was able to meet her. And do you want to know what my first words to her were? Like literally, (laughs) this is my hero. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I said to her? What'd you say? This magical moment where I meet my hero who has changed my life. This is what I said to her. Oh my God, I'm going to pee my pants. It's just so me. <laughs> Anybody who knows me knows that I would say something ridiculous yeah, like that it, in the midst. It's your gift of imperfection. Gift of imperfection. In the midst of meeting my hero, this is what I said to her. Not thank you for radically changing my life. Not thank you for helping me to embrace my imperfections and authenticity and vulnerability. Nope, none of that. I said to her, oh my God, I'm going to pee my pants. And do you know what she said back to me? What did she say? In true Brene Brown fashion, this is what she said. Oh my God, well, don't do that. Get over here and let's take a picture together. And we took this beautiful picture together that I cherish. Um, but let me That's tell so awesome. you. No, let me it's t- awesome. It is awesome. 
And, you, sh- did, and you didn't have to change. I mean, that's the great <laughs> thing. <laughs> I didn't pee my pants, but I was on the verge, right? So let me tell you about Braving the Wilderness. I've read every one of Brene Brown's books, and I've loved all of them. I opened Brene Brown's book, Braving the Wilderness, about a year and a half ago. And I just, mm, I couldn't feel it. Like, it didn't hit me the way her other books hit me. Hmm. But you know what? I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't ready for Braving the Wilderness. You know why? Because I was not ready for my own journey through the wilderness. Wow. Wow. So I didn't make it through the book um, until about a year and a half later, I found myself in a very brutal wilderness and I opened the pages of this book and it was like Jesus leaping off the pages to me. It was revelation. It was revelation. It was everything that I needed to hear in the exact season and the exact journey that I was walking through. Why do you think that was? Why, Why a year and a half before did it not Gosh, I love that question. Let me tell you why. I love that question because sometimes you are not ready for a perspective shift. Oh, wow. When I read it a year and a half ago, I was not at the place where I was ready to receive the truth that lies within the pages of Braving the Wilderness. I wasn't ready for it. It's interesting because I picked up this book prior to starting counseling. I started counseling and I began to deal with a lot of wounds in my life. I began to own who I was as a person and become stronger as an individual person. And so fast forward a year and a half, I found myself in a very brutal wilderness and I opened this book And it was literally like every single page that Brene wrote was a spiritual experience to me. It was exactly what I needed to hear in that very moment, but I was ready. I was ready to learn. I was ready to receive what Brene had to say. Whereas a year and a half ago, I just wasn't at the place. My perspective wasn't at that place yet. You know what I mean? Would you even say it was an awareness that it was sometimes when we haven't reached a level of being aware of what we need, that we aren't able to receive or to perceive what it is we need, but as... You know, as, as we grow, as as challenges come, as challenges come, as life happens, our perspective expands. Oh man, this reminds me of this beautiful example that George McDonald gives. Of course, I'm going to go to some <laughs> 18th you century, are. you know, amazing, <laughs> you know, guy. But he gives this example of Jesus and God, the Father, are sitting in this house. And outside of the house is this rose bush, which is basically this metaphor for people, this creation that God has created and is seeing it come to be, to awaken and to grow in its awareness, to be like 
the father who created it. And it's out in a storm. And the storm is beating against this rose bush or the, you know, these closed buds. And the father says to Jesus in this, you know, this kind of allegory, a metaphor that McDonald is talking about. He says, maybe we should bring them inside. Maybe we should bring them, you know, in the light of the house and bring, I mean, the storm is beating against those bushes, those buds so harshly. And Jesus says, no, just a little bit more longer, a little bit more rain, a little bit more yeah. wind, a little yeah. bit more trial, <laughs> and it will soften open the buds wow. to bloom. Totally. And I feel like sometimes we're lost in the dark, Yep. but it's the wilderness, it's the trial that really softens us to awaken and to bloom into the person that God always wants and purposed us to be. Yep. I feel like that probably is inching on what you were experiencing. Totally. Well, that is experiencing braving the wilderness. So let me tell you my journey, right? Is that okay? Let's dive into my journey of braving the wilderness. I am an Enneagram 2. I am an ESFJ. I care what people think about me. I really do. And I always have. I've always... And number two is a helper. It's a helper. We love to meet needs um, and oftentimes sacrifice our own needs, our own self for the sake of others. We love to be the helper, right? We love to be the hero. I've always been that way. I've always cared what people thought about me. Unfortunately, I wish that that wasn't the case, but it is. My journey of braving the wilderness, I started counseling a year ago, dealt with a lot of really ugly skeletons in my closet that I didn't know were there. But here's the cool thing about fully embracing counseling. You become stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger every skeleton you face. And so I was on a journey, it's been a year now, that I started seeing my counselor, Hmm. dealing with a lot of insecurities, a lot of the disease to please, and... I got to the point in my current circumstance where there was a friction between a sense of belonging and my true integrity, being true to myself. There was a conflict of the two. Wow. So let me unpack that a little bit yeah, for that's, you. That, that's loaded right there. Yeah. A sense of belonging, right? I loved what I did. I was very fulfilled in the career path that I was in. Loved my job. Loved what I did. I loved my team with all my heart. They were like my family. I spent many days sacrificing who I truly was and my integrity for the sake of the well-being of my team, for those that I had influence over, for those that I pastored. Many days, many months, many years. Making internal integrity sacrifices so that I could continue to give to the people that I love the most. And in my mind, I'm an Enneagram too, but I'm also raised in a culture that you deny your flesh. You live 
And when you say culture, you mean Christian culture. Yeah, of course. And we should, right? I think that's a beautiful culture. I think that's a beautiful ideology of laying down your life for the sake of others. Serving others. Serving others. Putting others before yourself. 100. I think there's nothing more beautiful than putting others above yourself. But I think there's a tension in that. I think I violated that tension. Hmm. Yeah, what do you mean by that? I think that I got to the point where it was an integrity issue for me. I had gotten to the point where I was living, you know, okay, so you're on an airplane, right? And they tell you, secure your own life mask, your oxygen mask, before helping others. You know, Jesus says it best when he says, love your neighbor as yourself, as yourself. What is he saying? He's saying, if you don't love yourself, you can never really exemplify loving your neighbor. I had sacrificed loving myself on the altar of loving other people. Or maybe even to the amount that you love yourself, it will be your ability to love someone else. So if you don't love yourself very well, that is the limit of what you can, how you could love somebody else. Yeah. So here's what I was doing. Securing everybody else's oxygen mask while I was dying. Wow. Mine wasn't secured and I was attaching everybody else's and I was dying on the inside. And my one lifeline was my counseling appointments where she would remind me of who I was. So... You said the conflict was between belonging and your integrity. Yeah. And so... With that life mask illustration, was it a matter of your integrity being violated? And when that happens, you suffocate? You don't have life? Is that is that what you're kind of pointing at? Let me unpack it a okay. little bit for you. Um, my counseling journey, my journey with Sharon, who's a big part of my life, was work. Do your work. It was a lot of work. And it was a journey of me becoming whole and complete and finding my voice and being okay with who I am and not hustling for approval, not hustling for status, not hustling for the status quo. I had done a lot of work to become a whole person and okay with me. Um, Man, I worked really hard at it. I cried a lot of tears. I faced a lot of giants. I worked really hard at becoming happy with who I was as a person. I faced a lot of skeletons in my closet, a lot of pain, a lot of tears. And I got to a point where I felt like, no, no, no. Mm -mm. I didn't feel like I was faced with a situation where I felt like this person was demanding that I compromise my integrity. And I knew you face a why in the road. On one side, I take the bait and I compromise my integrity and I do what you want me to do. And I keep my job. 
I keep my community. I keep the people that I love the most in my world. I keep my influence. I keep my stability. I keep all of that. But on the inside, I sacrifice what I have worked so hard to obtain. My integrity. Who I really am. And I knew on the inside it was wrong. It was wrong. And I tried to find the margin. I tried to find the balance. I tried to find the tension of, I can respect you in your position, but I can also respect my boundaries and my integrity. But let me tell you what happened. You set a boundary and that person does not respect your boundary. And I think we face that a lot in life, right? We Mm -hmm. set our own boundaries as a person and the person on the other end says, I choose not to respect your boundary and I demand control over your life is really what happened to me. I'm faced with a situation where I don't respect your boundary. And here's what I said. I can love you and I can love the other person equally. It's a matter of integrity to me. And I felt like the person on the other end wasn't okay with that. Like, and it was a matter of integrity for me. And so I chose in that moment to be true to myself, but it's more than that. It wasn't just a violation of boundaries for me. It was a violation of self-respect as me as a person to say, at the end of the day, I understand that this is my career and this is my employment, but at five o'clock, I am my own person. I have boundaries, I have values, I have belief systems, and that deserves respect. Like I am a human being and a child of God that deserves respect. And you don't control what happens in my personal life. And the person on the other end of this scenario, that wasn't okay for them. My boundaries were not okay for them. And it wasn't just about my boundaries not being okay. It was about a violation of my privacy, my confidentiality, my integrity, and me as a human being. And in that moment, and it was a culmination, right? Like sometimes I say words wrong. (laughs) Culmination, right? No, no, that that was well placed. (laughs) So so maybe maybe I can just maybe ask a few questions or just see if we're on the same page. Yeah. There was somebody who influenced your pay or your work. There was someone who had positional control over what you did. And that individual was asking you to... hold on just a minute. They didn't have control over what I did. They desired to have control over what I did. But just because somebody signs your paycheck does not mean that they control your life. And I think that that deserves clarification. Sure, there was a significant amount of clarity. I mean, significant amount of stability. It was my employment. But they were asking to push past employment responsibilities 100%. into private control, into who you 
chose to associate with, how you chose to associate, maybe social media, I, I, I don't know, trying to grab control of things that were beyond just employment responsibilities. Absolutely. My private life. My private life. Who I chose to be friends with, who I chose to be friends with on social media, who I chose to like on social media, who I chose to comment on social media. When it hits five o'clock and I become a private citizen, that's my time and my life. I'm not out doing things that lack integrity. I'm not out doing things that disgrace a community. Um, yeah, it was after five o'clock, this is my private life. You don't have control of that. And just because you signed my paycheck doesn't mean you control my life. And I felt like the person on the other end of this was using the fact that they held my career and they held my influence and they held my reputation, so to speak, in their hands they were using that as a control mechanism to influence my integrity for their personal gain. Hmm. So what happened? I mean, we're kind of at this tension moment here yeah. where... Tension is an understatement. Yeah. Where, this, where you're saying, I don't feel comfortable you trying to have influence or control past my employment responsibilities. And then this person, at least what you've said there, they're not only disregarding or kind of stepping over here and there, but they're like pressing I, past that. Or maybe explain that a little bit more. I don't mind the influence, but I do mind the control. You can tell me your opinion on the matter as long as the day is long. I'm always open to your opinion. I'm always open to your feedback. But your control is not welcomed. Your feedback is always welcome, but Dang. not your control. Dang, that's good. And at the end of the day, I will gladly consider your feedback. But I am a grown woman who has many voices in my life, including a very trusted counselor, an incredible husband that I've been married to for 14 years, yeah, and an incredible circle of friends. Not to mention a Holy Spirit has guided me since I was 17 years of age. So I, while I gladly welcome your influence, your advice, I don't welcome your control. And there's a difference there. And so I'm in the heat of a situation and it comes down to a matter of integrity for me. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, Joel, I felt like for me to do what this person wanted me to do would be to sacrifice my soul. Hmm. I felt it was wrong, and I'm not saying they were wrong. I'm saying what they wanted in this moment was wrong for me. I didn't feel like it was the right thing to do, and I felt like it would be if I did what they wanted me to do, I would regret it for the rest of my life. And why is that? Why would you regret because it? Because it was a matter of, of integrity for me. I felt like the best thing to do was give some space, give some time, let the situation die down and be a good friend to be Jesus with skin on, to do what Jesus would do, which was love unconditionally. I felt like it was a reactive moment 
And Jesus was asking that I respond and not react. I needed space. I needed time. The situation, the circumstance needed space. It needed time. It didn't need rash decisions. But that was not okay for the person on the other end of my circumstance. So let me tell you what happened. Okay. Control and violation of boundaries. My boundaries to say, I love what I do. I love being a part of this, but these are my boundaries. This is what I feel is right for me. I laid it out there in a respectful manner, in a kind manner, in a calm manner, and that was not respected. How is it not respected? It was not okay with that person. You work for me, therefore you do what I say. You work for me, therefore you do what I say. Okay, let me pause just a minute. Pause. I do work for you. I do what you say from nine to five in regards to what is in conjunction with the company. But my private life and my private time is my business and my boundaries and my prerogative. I am an independent individual outside of this organization, right? True. And so that's where boundaries come into place. I am a person. I am a human. Just because I work for you does not mean you control my life. And so when... I mean, you weren't doing crazy stuff. You no, weren't, you know, out there posting on social media yourself wasn't. with, you know, a kilo and a 40, you know, something like that. <laughs> Of course I wasn't. I've been married for 14 years with two beautiful kids and have an incredible life. Of course I wasn't. It was a matter of I want control over every aspect of your life. And I was faced with a situation where my boundaries and my integrity were not respected. This person wanted what they wanted. At the end of the day, I want what I want, and I don't respect your boundaries. I don't respect your privacy. Ultimately, I don't respect you as an individual. And it became an opportunity for me. This is a matter of personal integrity for me. This is a healing journey that I've been fighting for for a year of my life. Wow. Now, on the other end of that, I knew what would happen. I knew if I stood up for myself and said, these are my boundaries, you don't cross it. Not to mention demanding a certain level of respect that you treat me like a human being. You treat me like an individual. You treat me like a person, like I'm a person outside of this. Um, On the other side of that was my community. It was people that I loved very dearly that I knew. I, I was faced with a cross in the road, with a a Y in the road. I go one direction and I let you control me and I do what you want me to do and I keep my community, I keep my position, I keep my influence, I keep my paycheck, I keep the people that I love. Um, But I sacrifice myself, my soul, my integrity, the person that I fought a year in counseling to find. On the other end of that, 
I don't compromise my integrity. I don't compromise who I am. I be true to who I am, but I sacrifice my belonging. I knew if I fought for myself, this person would drag my name through the mud. I would lose my community, the people that I loved most dear in my life. My reputation would be dragged through the mud. So I face this why in the road. And I'll never forget being on the, sitting on the receiving end of this conversation. And mind you, this was a buildup of multiple conversations of wanting to control my life, wanting to control who I hang out with, wanting to control who I connect with on social media, wanting to control my whole life. On the other end of this, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself as I'm receiving um, what I would consider, and again, this is my perspective, but what I would consider as verbal abuse countless times, countless days, being ganged up on, being bullied, being verbally attacked. Something snapped on the inside of me in that moment. And I thought to myself, nobody deserves to be treated this way. Hmm. And in that moment, I was sitting there in my seat thinking, no woman deserves to be treated this way. I'm not your punching bag. I'm not your wife. I'm not your husband. You don't own me. You don't control me. And you, you damn sure don't deserve to treat me this way. Mm. I'm not your emotional punching bag. You need a counselor. This is unacceptable. And Joel, this came after time and time and time and time again where I was emotionally attacked. And I am telling you, I'm the type of person that you can push me and you can push me and you can push me and you can push me. But when you push me too far, you better run for your, like you better run. <laughs> like I'm just, it takes a lot to get me to yeah. that point. But when I'm at that point, I'm done. And I remember sitting in this situation where I was being verbally attacked for, I did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. I had told this person I had done nothing wrong. I had said I had plenty of evidence to prove that I had done nothing wrong, but that was not enough. And I remember thinking in this moment, this is unacceptable to treat me this way. And there was something on the inside of me that said, if you continue to let this person treat you this way, you will compromise a year's worth of work mm -hmm. that you have done to heal yourself. Mm -hmm. And everything and shifted in yeah. that moment. And I knew, Casey, you will either stand for yourself and fight for yourself and you will lose everybody that you love. You will lose your influence, your position, your title, and the people that you love. The people that you you love and you think love you, right? Wow, wow. You think love you. And I chose myself. Hmm. 
And I think it was the first time in my 36 years that I chose myself. Wow. And I knew in that very moment, it's not okay to treat me this way. I walked away. I drew a line in the sand and I walked away. And for me, it was a matter of it is never okay to treat me this way. I'm not your punching bag. And I stood up for myself. And in that moment, I drove home that night with my office packed up in the backseat of my car. And for the first time in 36 years, I belonged to no one but myself. Wow. And a lot of friendships, a lot of friendships dissipated overnight. The amount of people who hated me, came out against me, was hard and it hurt really bad. But I've never been more proud of myself. Because driving home that night, it was like the first time I secured my own oxygen mask for the, you know, for the first time, like I had fought for myself and I came home that night and I looked at Reagan, our little seven-year-old daughter, and I thought, I pray that if there's one thing I ever teach this little girl, it is to stand up and fight for herself and never, ever, ever let anybody treat her the way that I have let myself be treated. I pray Mm -hmm. that I teach her self-respect. And I've never respected myself more. Yep. I've never respected myself more than the moment that I stood up to the greatest bully in my life and said, you will not treat me this way. It's unacceptable. You can take my reputation. You can take my community. You can take all the people I love, but you won't take my soul. And you damn sure won't treat me this way. And I stood up for myself. And do you know, Joel, I've not once looked back and regretted that moment ever. Wow. You know, I I feel like there's probably a lot of people on the other side of this podcast who are asking themselves and saying, what was that moment? What was that spark? What turned it over in you to be able to, to have that courage and that bravery to just say, okay, enough is enough. I'm choosing to belong to myself mm. before I belong to every, to somebody else yeah. or to some, something else. Uh, maybe you could, I, I don't know, elaborate or just yeah. share a little bit more on that. That's a good question. I knew to do what this person wanted me to do, I would be so ashamed of myself because it was a compromise of my values and my integrity. And I would walk back into that place every day ashamed of who I was as a person because I had compromised while I pleased everybody else. Nobody would know it, but I would know it. I would know I compromised my integrity. I would know I compromised my values. I would know I took the cheap way out. Hmm. And, you know, it's so interesting in Braving the Wilderness... Brene describes belonging like this. 
She says, belonging is the innate human desire to be part of something larger than us. Because this yearning is so primal, we often try to acquire it by fitting in and seeking approval, which is not only a hollow substitute of true belonging, but often bear an but often barriers to it because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic and perfect selves to the world. Our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. Wow. And in that moment, I disappointed a lot of people, but I accepted myself. Wow. I'd never been more proud of myself than in that moment. And I disappointed 75% of the people in my life. But the 25% are the people who are braving the wilderness with me. The 25% are the people who never left me. They're people who stood by my side during the darkest times of my life. And those are the 25% that I want in my life. Those are the 25% that I want to invest in my life. Those are the 25% that I want to do life with, that I will fight hell and high water for. Those are the people that I want to invest my time in, not the 75% that sing my praises and while it benefits them, but while I'm drowning, while I'm hurting, they're nowhere to be found, right? Yeah. In that moment of walking away and being true to myself, that was belonging to myself. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's amazing. Um, Jesus said, uh, what does it profit a person if they gain the whole world, but they lose their soul? And whether you're, you're out there, we have a lot of people who... Um, are Jesus followers who listen to this, but we have a lot of people who are not. But Jesus' words, I mean, he, he changed history. You, you, you got to take what he says, at least into account, right? Of course. But I think you were hinging on what he was saying in those words. You were hinging on, yeah, you could have the whole world. You could have financial stability. You could have your community stability. You could have influence. You could have your influence just as long as you don't go outside of these controlled barriers, you can have that. But if you were to continue with the awareness of where you were, you would be losing your soul. I knew in that moment, if I did not walk away, I would lose my soul. I would lose everything that I fought hard to gain. Um, At the end of the day, it was a matter of teaching people how to treat you and how to not treat you. Wow. That's so And the way that I was treated was completely and utterly unacceptable. I wasn't treated like a human being. I was treated like a child to be controlled. But I was a grown adult. And... um, in that moment, I taught that person, you don't treat me this way. And you know, Joel, the people that rejected me because I walked away may never fully understand the ramifications of what I did. But I pray and hope that one day, 
they will understand that they are worthy of respect and honor and that every boundary that you set for your private life demands to be respected. But more important than that, I pray that my daughter will never allow anybody to treat her that way. That she will always demand respect, that when she sets a boundary, those boundaries are to be honored, respected. Um, I respected myself in that moment. And it's not okay to treat me that way. When I set a boundary for my own personal integrity, you can honor it. And if you choose not to honor it, I have the power and control to walk away. And I chose to walk away. And in walking away, I braved the wilderness. I walked away from security and comfort and community and validation. But I've never been more proud of who I was as a person and as an individual than in that moment of standing up for myself. Um, I had a friend who said, I've never been more disappointed because I lost, you know, a really great coworker, but I've never been more proud of you. And if I could have a husband aside, (laughs) I had never been more proud of you in that moment. It was the bravest thing I've ever done in my life. I've never done anything so brave in all my life. But it's not okay to treat me the way that I was treated. It was a violation of everything that I ever believed in. And I got up and I walked away and I never went back. And I proved to this person what you did was not okay. You don't control me and I will rise above all of your accusations and all of your character assassinations and everything that you've tried to do to drag me through the mud, I stood up for myself and you can never, ever take that away from me. I belong to myself. And when you belong to yourself, nobody can take anything away from you. That's the real power. When you belong to yourself, when you respect yourself, when you honor yourself, when you honor your boundaries, when you honor the integrity of who you are, Nobody can take that away from you. Mm-hmm. You possess the power. Jesus possesses the power. And nobody can take that away from you. The coolest part about what I did, that person on the other end of treating me horribly, both the people sitting in that room who treated me horribly, had no power over me. That's what I love so much about that situation. I held all the keys. I held all the power. I flipped them off and pieced them out of my life, so to speak. Metaphorically speaking. Metaphorically speaking, (laughs) even though I didn't do that. But can I tell you that there is nothing greater than looking at the person who's trying to destroy you in the eyes and saying, I'm so sorry, but you have no power or control over me. Jesus holds my destiny. He holds my future. He holds my reputation. Mm -hmm. You have no power. You have Mm -hmm. no control over me. I am a child of God. And you walk away. How great is that? I've, 
I've never been more proud of myself than I was that day. And with you, there will be thousands more who walk away from their captors. I'm just saying, this story of yours speaks to the heart of millions of people who have gone to the edge of the wilderness and chosen to stay in chains to a community, to an ideal of sacrifice, but who have never taken the step, the courageous step to walk out on your own and to know that you have what it takes, you belong to yourself, that there is a God that will meet you. There is a God that will meet you in the wilderness and walk you through to your promised land. Yep. I love what Brene says. She says they want to be a part of something to experience real connection with others, which is really what we want, right? But not at the cost of their authenticity, freedom, or power. Hmm. We all want to belong, right? We all want to be a part of something greater than ourselves, but not at the cost of our authenticity and power, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I love being a part of a community. I don't love being a part of a community. That feels that they can control you? Absolutely. <laughs> I don't like being a part of a community that says with their mouth, you belong here. Yeah. And then, you know what? You can hear what we believe. But really, conform to what. But really, what it it is is ultimately, you need to believe exactly like we believe, and then you can continue to belong. Right. That conform to our authenticity. Our standard of authenticity. So me braving the wilderness was walking away from my community, I knew when I made this decision to walk away that I would lose my community. I would lose the people that I had invested years into. I knew that I loved them in a very deep way, and I knew I would lose those relationships. I knew that I would lose the influence, the stability, their reputation, I knew, I knew that they would drag my reputation through the mud. And I faced that. I mean, I literally thought of that. It was like a flash moment that went through my mind of the people that I love so dearly. But you know, Joel, sometimes you need to be loved, not always the lover. I had loved and given and invested so much into these people. And I knew I would lose it all. I, I just couldn't forsake my soul. I couldn't allow somebody to treat me the way that I was treated and still be okay, live with myself. Mm-hmm. Like, stand before my daughter and say, follow me as I follow Christ. Like, Joel, I knew if I allowed this person to treat me this way, I would come home and be ashamed of who I was 
And let me tell you what's so beautiful about braving the wilderness. You say goodbye to about 75% of the people in your life. And it is a hurt that I pray my enemies never experience. Mm -hmm. You will cry. You will feel the pain of lost relationships. I mean, when I tell you, Joel, there were people that were brutal to me just because I walked away from this organization, never had a conversation with me, never picked up the phone to say, how are you? Can I hear your side of the story? None of that. Like they just walked away from me. But when you meet your tribe of wilderness people, they are your ride or die. I met my wilderness people. I met my wilderness people. They were people who were there for me in my darkest times. I was hurting and I was in so much pain and they were there for me. And they were proud of me and they were cheering me on and they believed in me and they supported me every step of the way. And you know what I realized? Those are the people that deserve my time, my attention, my energy. Those are the people that I want to invest in. They are people who are braving the wilderness alongside of me. They are blazing a path. They are charting a course that many will follow. And they are my tribe of people. They are the people that I admire and respect They're the people that I want to be like and I want to do life with. Um, And so sometimes I feel like we hustle for the approval of people who don't really deserve the right to hear our stories and don't really deserve the right to hold a place in our hearts. And what that really did is it sifted the people who were really worthy of an audience in my life. And I was worthy of an audience in their life. And we cheered one another on and we braved this wilderness together. Those are the people that I want in my life. Those are the people that I want to journey the rest of my life with. Those are the people who remind me of what it's like to be brave and bold and authentic and true to who you are. Those are the people that I want to surround myself with. Yeah, and who have mutual respect. I've heard it said if there is respect, there can be love. But if there is no respect, there There can never, there's no love. It's some sort of one-sided thing. And so respect was established. Now there's a possibility for love. Yeah. And first of all, I think you loved yourself. Yes. And because you loved yourself you can now be loved and give love in loving relationships, not one-sided, abusive relationships. We both come from situations in our backgrounds where it's been one-sided or abusive relationships. But to be able to come out of that and maybe the first time in a major way You were able to come out of an abusive relationship and say, no more. Yeah. No more. You know, when you're in those 
type of relationships, you're always hustling because they never accept you for who you truly are. They have an expectation of who you should be. And so you're always hustling for who you should be as opposed to you enter the wilderness and you have these tribe of people who accept you for exactly who you are but believe in the greatness on the inside of you and push you to achieve that, you know? Yeah. I think that's the difference. The hustle, I think for me the hustle became I want to hustle to accept myself, to respect myself. Yeah. And it was crazy to me, like, gosh, that next day that I made this crazy bold move, the next day, 75% of the people that I love the most in my relationships, my community crumbled around my feet. But I'd never been more proud of myself in all my life. I hung tight and clung tightly to the few relationships that I had in my life who were saying, I believe in you, Casey, and I'm so proud of you, and I respect you because you fought for you, your own integrity, and you showed how you deserve to be treated with honor and respect and dignity and common humanity. And every person deserves that common decency. Every person. And it was that day that you took one giant leap into the wilderness. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. And I'm out here in the wilderness, you know. And maybe... I'm braving it right now. (laughs) and, And I think that maybe we should conclude here. Yeah. And next podcast, maybe we'll talk about what your wilderness looks like, the joys and the pain, because it's a whole different type of living than, you know, city living. Yeah. You know, you're, you're out in the wild. Yeah. You're out in the wilderness. It looks different than your life before, but it's freer. It's less constrained. And you're moving towards a promise. Yeah, and you know, for the first time in 36 years, I'm proud of myself. That's huge. I don't think that I ever could have said I 100% am proud of who I am ever before. But here I am in the wilderness saying I belong to me. I hold the cards. I hold the power. Nobody else does. Nobody else does. Nobody controls me but Jesus. I'm standing out in the wilderness and nobody has power over me. Nobody has control over me but Jesus. It's a cathartic feeling I've never felt in all my life. So we can venture that in the next podcast. And that's belonging to you. That's belonging to yourself. When you're proud of yourself, when you like who you are. You're not compromising your integrity, your values, or who you are. For the sake of the approval and the hustle and of the acceptance of somebody else. When you don't care about your image, whether that's body image, whether that's social image, whether that's spiritual image, whatever that is, where you just are okay and 100% accepting and proud of the authentic you, 
at the place you yeah. are today and you can say, I'm proud of that person. Yeah. You belong to you. To you. And no one else. And nobody else. We've created this podcast because we love helping people along their journeys. Beyond the podcast, you'll find us coaching folks through their messy moments. We do this online or on site for individuals, couples, and organizational leaders. So if you'd like to talk to one or both of us, you can head over to joeljohnson.org or you can get in touch with us through social media. Also, if you like the show, head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review. And you can share it with your friends. If you'd like a copy of the show notes for today's episode, you can head over to joeljohnson.org slash podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to Messy Life Podcast.